Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Uh, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's all right. Giro, Giro d'Italia is on, so I've been watching a lot of bike racing. And I think I've said this multiple times on episodes. I've pretended soccer hasn't existed for a little bit, and my mental health has been a lot better since I've done that. How about you? Yeah, um, I I think I'm okay. <laughs> I th- I feel a little shell shocked to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I get yeah. I guess luckily there there is Sounders. There is other stuff. There is other soccer to watch if you do want to watch soccer to take your mind off of things. But it's it's hard to not think back and be like, oh, yeah. Arsenal's still <laughs> are, awesome. sh- are, are still shit. So <laughs> it's funny. I called a soccer trifecta where all three of my favorite teams won over the weekend with Arsenal Sounders and uh, Hammerby, but one of them felt a little bit empty, emptier than the other two. So, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Um, drinks first. What do you got this week? What's what's in your cup? I'm, I'm going a little uh, kind of uh, old school. I'm doing a Johnny Utah by uh, George Brewing. Nice. As I've said said before many times on this program, I think uh, the IPA trend has kind of left me behind. And so I, I do enjoy a good uh, pale ale. And this is one of my favorite pale ales. And I love George Brewing. I nothing bad to say about this brewery. So, yeah. And um, if you haven't had it, definitely check out Johnny Utah. I believe it won a couple of awards at different brewery festivals. So it's a, it's a good, solid Baylo. Cool. Um, I'm drinking Bale Breaker again this week. Hmm. Go to Bottom Cutter Imperial IPA. Do you think we just got into uh, comfort beers? Because we just, it's kind of like, you know, you get to comfort food when you have like a, a bad day and, you know, we both know we have to talk about some stuff that we don't want to talk about. So we went to our comfort beers. Yeah. And just like hold this beer tight. <laughs> let, let it wrap me in its, in, in its embrace. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why I went with Johnny Utah's. I didn't, I didn't want to try anything new. I just wanted something I knew was going to be good, which is, uh, Unlike uh, other things we're going to talk about later, so. Mm, yes. All right. Well, let's get to Tim's bit. All right, Tim's bit, which I'm I'm in love with. <laughs> um. So, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit. I'm going forward, and I know it's going to be a, a worn question. But my my question is, what is your ideal Arsenal team like? Who would you bring in? Who would you keep? If Cronkies gave all their Walmart money to Arsenal, and there was, money was no issue, not being in Europe, Europe was no issue. How would you set up the team? Oh, I I almost hate this question because fantasizing about it and then coming back to reality is is rough. <laughs> well, we'll start with the fantasy, and then we'll <laughs> rip your, the legs out from under you. Yeah. Uh, so who do you go get? I mean, I mean, I think the easier thing maybe is who do you keep? Who would you keep in the formation? What formation would you run? Who would I keep in the current team? Yeah. God, no one scorched earth. Um, 
Let's start fresh. No, just kidding. (laughs) You want to keep Tierney? I would keep Tierney. I'd keep Saka. I'd keep Emil Smith-Rowe. I would keep... um, I want to say Saliba, but I don't know. But I mean, potentially he's going to be good. Um, Oh, man. It gets it gets a little a little hazy after that. Like I don't know if I would if I would uh wanna die on anybody's hill beyond those guys. You you'd pre- replace Leno? Yeah, you know, I'm Well, we will talk more about Leno, but I'm not I'm not sure I think he's the best in the world you know i mean like if you're if if we're talking about you could replace anybody and go out and get somebody better i think there's better goalkeepers out there um, you know that's not to say he's not the best we can get you know i mean like <laughs> as far as value for money he's probably as good as it gets for us right now but um you know there's there's rumors going around that leno is up for sale like Arsenal are, are willing to let him part for the right amount of money. So yeah, I mean, we may, I, we may see what that looks like and maybe wish we hadn't. <laughs> I just saw it. I was before we were recording, I was looking on the guardian and there was a big article about Leno and Bellerin being two of the bigger names that we're, we're looking to offload in the off season. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, we can have a separate conversation about that and I'm, it will come up because we have nothing else to talk about of any substance uh, All right, then, in the coming weeks. So then you have the scorched earth. You're getting rid of basically everybody but three, maybe four players. So yeah. who are you bringing in in an ideal world? Mm. This gets tough. This gets harder. Because do you build around youth? Do you build around experience? Um, if, if if cost is no no object... No, it's, it's all the Walmart money you can want. All those like uh, shower curtains <laughs> people buy going um, straight to the Arsenal coffer. I'd I'd bring in. I'd bring in Mbappe. I think I I, I like him. I, I'm kind of toying with him and and Holland, but I think I think I like Mbappe better. Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> We're gonna play with two up top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, who do you who do you get to set up that that front two if we go that way? That's well, one of the players you didn't mention keeping that I think I would keep is Odegaard because I think if you had someone of a talent of Mbappe with Odegaard right behind him, I think that could be a that could be a sexy little uh, combination. Yeah, I guess I don't really consider Odegaard ours, but I guess I would go buy him. I could, <laughs> I, I could, <laughs> I could keep him. Um, yeah, I, Odegaard would be good. I think there's uh, surely some good midfielders out there that I'm not thinking of because there's a million of them. But um, yeah, I would, I would, I'd be fine with Odegaard. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to fill out a, a dream. Yeah. Starting eleven on the spot. I'm trying to, well, <laughs> trying I mean, to like, think about. Would you take Hazard? Either Hazard? No, 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 not a fan. Um. Oh, it's hard, hard on the spot, Tim. Putting me under pressure. Well, I mean, 
midfield it's harder when to get into the midfield because there, there are a lot of good options i don't even know the the ideal especially because our midfield is actually the place where we are stacked and have been stacked for like a million years i know the players i'd get rid of in an instant i'd get rid of sabios like <laughs> he can't leave fast enough for me but it's like if you have odegaard Saka, and smith row in the midfield i don't think and and uh party i think you're you're pretty well said, at least for a starting 11 in the midfield. Yeah, I think you you go out and try to find some uh, good wingers. Uh, it's questionable whether you keep Pepe as depth, but I'm not thinking about depth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is just starting 11. I'm not, I'm not going yeah. too deep into this. Yeah, um, I feel like I just need like a list of the world's top players in front of me. It's hard for me to like <laughs> pull up the Rolodex. Well, for me, it's hard because like when I think about this, I, cause I, I do have biases against other teams in the premier league. Mm-hmm. So if you play for Tottenham, I'm never going to talk to you or speak to you. Uh, pretty close for Chelsea. Uh, and then like, I, I have a couple, I mean, I would get a De Bruyne in a second. If I, if De Bruyne were available, I would steal him and, and and love him. He's possibly my one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, but a lot of city players, I, I don't like city from a political or like just general standpoint. And then I don't know. I've I've stopped hating Manu. I take Pogba. I think I know that may be mm. controversial. That might be a hot take, but I like Pogba. At least how he plays for the French national team. Uh, so yeah, I would I would I would bring in more French players. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Well, I, I'm like, a, I, I'm clearly horrible at answering this question right now. <laughs> Not so good at it without without some prep. But yeah, that's why I like to do these questions. I like to <laughs> pop them out, get your uh, top of the, of the answer. I like, I do. I'm interested in the Mbappe versus uh, Holland. Hmm. I don't. I don't know where I, where I land on that one. If I had, if push came to shove, do you go with the um slightly more established player or bank on the high ceiling, possible high ceiling of Holland. Well, it's funny because they play the same or similar positions, but they're so different in how they play. Like, and, and for me, like Holland reminds me of uh, Ruud van Nisselrooy, which I you know is not a, a, a player we like necessarily, but like that kind of in the box, if it goes anywhere near him, it's going in the goal. And that's what uh, Holland brings he he will score you goals, whereas Mbappe I think is a little bit more creative and he has that speed. Mbappe actually reminds me of a better Aubameyang. <laughs> yes, and they have very similar. I should say it's a, an upgrade to go Mbappe. So and that tends to be a player I like a little bit more. So I, I can see why you go with a Mbappe over a, a Holland. To me, it feels like the one that got away. Like to correct the storyline, to to come bring things full circle, Mbappe coming to Arsenal seems seems like it in my fictional storyline. That's <laughs> it's like some poetic justice to have him eventually make his way back here, even yeah. though he never really. I mean, it's only it's only a story. It's only some some anecdote from Arsene Wenger that he's this close, you know. Yeah. And there's always these ones that are just. A signing away, just a meeting away, and didn't didn't make it happen. 
Didn't Arson sing that say that about a uh, Salah too? Oh, he's he's said it about a few players, you know. Yeah. He was apparently on the bleeding edge of getting a lot of guys, but it <laughs> didn't didn't happen for some reason. Uh, so speaking of being on the bleeding edge, <laughs> how do you feel? Let's uh let's move on to this uh this quite this painful part. What do you think of the Villarreal game? All right, I'm just gonna lean lean into the pain, I guess. I mean that was that was just bad. I mean, I it it takes me back to to last um, the MLS Cup and 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 thinking about um, the Sounders just not showing up at and at the end. And I think the part that frustrated me then, and the part and that that same feeling came back in this game, was like especially for people like us who like because of this podcast and because we're fans, we put a ton of time and, and as much effort as you possibly can for people that don't live in London, you know, it's, um, it's frustrating to put in a season's worth of effort and then just have a team very, just not show up. I mean, I don't, that's pretty much what happened. They did not come to that game to play. They were not there. They were vacant. It was not available. When I was watching that game, I, there was a part of me that was like, oh, they're playing a game where they're trying not to concede. And then in the last 75, or like from 75, fifth minute on, they're just going to like pour on, be more energy and just like try and win it in the last 75. And I was waiting for that moment when they just turned it on. Because I can, I can understand, like, like the first part of it is, like, you don't want them to score a goal because that, that definitely changes the game to a certain extent. Uh, but they just never turned it on, and it was the most disappointing, just horrible thing. Is like, I can understand failure. Trust me. In my life, I can understand failure. But, uh, <laughs> like, I... To not try at all. That's just like hurts. And like and, and I don't mean to call out players and I don't want to be that like guy that like rails out like the players aren't trying their best, da da da. But like from my viewpoint watching that game, there there wasn't a lot going on and there wasn't a lot of players that were playing like this game makes or breaks the season, you know? All you could really point to was a couple close calls from a Obama, bombing. That's it. That a couple that that might have gone in on a different day, but there's been too many times this season where that's all we've had to point to, you know, where that just left kind of feeling empty because the team could not muster a single goal. I mean, that's that's the extremely frustrating part of all this. All we needed was one goal. That was it. They didn't even put a goal on the board. Villarreal did not do anything, and still, we could not find a goal. Well, it's like I, it, I don't, I, I don't know what to to say after that. It was like I don't. I should have looked up the stat before, but I really didn't want to revisit the game, so I didn't look up any of the stats. So I apologize for anyone that's <laughs> a, a stat head. But I remember commentary saying sometime around like the 60th minute that from the penalty. To like the 60th, 70th minute in the second game, there were no shots on goal from Arsenal. 
like mm. it's 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 one thing to not score a goal and that's a whole like <laughs> my base understanding of soccer is you have to score goals to win i think that's a pretty <laughs> basic understanding but yes. when you peel back a layer from that you have to put the ball in target to score goals <laughs> and if you're not putting the ball in target you're not going to score goals and then therefore you're not going to win games and i know that there's probably more complex ways to look at the game but I don't know. Like, I can't imagine not putting shots on goal for almost 90 minutes. I mean, you've got, um, I think the thing that came out at the beginning of the game was the uh, scratch from, from Xhaka and, and Tierney having to come in um, pretty cold. You know, he had not gotten a full match fitness. So he was not his normal self playing in that position. But I was like, okay, worse things have happened. It could have been Cedric coming in or, you know, something. You know, when, when they announced that, when I was watching it, I thought they said Sokka and not Jaka. <laughs> and my uh, my heart dropped to my stomach when they said that. And then, and then uh-huh. when they did the replacement of, uh, of Tyranny for Jaka, I'm like, as you said, there's worse things that happened in this world. But I think looking back on it after the game was over, I think it was clear that that was a bigger deal than it should have been like not it left our it left the team kind of without enough creation which is or or just control of passing like and and you look at the passing stats it's not like we didn't have control of the ball it just felt like we couldn't get it into the right areas we couldn't get it at the feet of the right people it was not a cohesive um team at least playing from from back to front it it just it was not fluid it just didn't it didn't look like a team that was that was ready to put put themselves on the line it just looked like a lot, a team without ideas and that's frustrating at you know i could see that if it was earlier in the season and we hadn't figured things out yet this is a team with established players. This is a team that's, I mean, short of the the late scratch from Xhaka, you've got you're you're only putting in a, a player that actually is getting into his natural position, whether he's in shape or not, shouldn't make that big a difference to the overall play of this entire team. I just, I don't know how they just look so poor. I mean, o- Odegaard was barely, I mean, he, he was in the game, but he didn't look part of the game. Um, and then, you know, you've got Pepe, Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka who are just trying to, to eke something out of this game and, and, and they just couldn't do it. And it's so frustrating to get to this point in the season and look so out of, out of their depth, out of ideas, just, it, 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 I expected so much more from this game and it really left me well short. Yeah, I mean, I was genuinely in the build-up excited. The players were saying the right things. You know, you had the interview, I don't know if you saw it before the game, of Obama Yang saying that, like, you know, he's acknowledging that, like, you know, it hasn't been the best season for him and he has a lot to make up and he's going to prove it in this game. You saw a lot of players talking about this game, but when it came to the game, it just kind of fell flat. It's like, you know, like that sprinter that's in the block and when the gun shoots, they just fall on their face type of thing. Like, it... and. The, it's just disappointing that it just didn't 
I'm trying to be level about this, but it just didn't seem like they cared. Like no one, there was no spark of energy. There was no, it didn't seem like a single player was taking that game by the scruff of the neck and saying, we will not lose this game, you know? Mm-hmm. And if Do we game, have that player in this team, like who is that guy? I would like it to be. I mean, I think tyranny could be that player, but I think, you know, coming back from injury and coming back cold tyranny has been that player. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Cause I mean, Jaka can be that player. But, but he's not a goal scorer. Yeah, and I mean he can get he can certainly I I do believe like as far as captains or you know like uh, the type of player that you want to to motivate your team, that's your Jacques is your guy. Louise is another guy. Maybe yeah. not having that in this big game certainly played a role. But I don't know if you could blame it on either one of them really. No. Because like, you look at the other players, like, I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe and uh, Sokka, they're just too young and they're not going to be that player. Our, you know, quote-unquote captain, uh, Aubameyang, like, I just, like, he's not going to be that player. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, you know, we've, we, we've brushed on a little bit, but I don't think Leno is going to be that player right now. I don't think his heart's into it. it at least he's just... I, that's just the the vibe I'm getting. So I don't know. Like it's, it's just it was just weird. To, like this game was the most important game of the season, without a doubt, hundred percent. And to have those play like no one step up and no one really show that passion was hard. But when you when you really look at it, I feel like we lost that game in the first game, and we kind mm-hmm. of tricked ourselves into thinking we had a chance. But, but when know, all you can really muster is a penalty, yeah, and that was like between two legs, that was all you had to show for it. Yeah. We were never in it in the first place, and it makes you think: had they found a way to eke out another goal, would have just gotten smashed by Man U. I mean, I, I that's that's what was waiting for us, and and this team that showed up in this round would not have fared well in that in that matchup in the final. Men, men, mentally. They did not look ready for that. Um, physically, I feel like we're, there's too many missing players. Um, you know, and, and I think just it's, it's not a team that looked ready to make that leap to that Champions League level. And you look at the where we stand in, in the league table as well. It's like we're playing like a mid-table team. This is exactly what we are. You know, like the, the it's the phrase like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. You know what I mean? Right. And when you look back on this European this year in Europe, we have not lit the world on fire. You know, when we were playing in the group stage, we were playing some of our B squad, yada yada yada. But I mean, some of those actually moved up to being A squad players. Uh, but it, it, we look like we were among those teams in the group stage, and then like throughout this knockout round we haven't impressed to be honest like we had the one like second leg against uh the czech team uh sparta it wasn't sparta was it sparta prog uh yeah whatever prog team uh, prog yes yeah. uh, slavia it was slavia wasn't it uh and but like 
other than that, it's not like we look like we are dominating. Whereas you look at like, you know, what Man U was doing in this tournament, they destroyed uh, Roma. You know what I mean? Like, and Roma mm-hmm. like is a legit decent team. Whereas uh, Villarreal isn't a right team, but uh, like it's not a, as as good a a, a opponent. And yeah, it's just, it's disappointing, and it, it, I think we're kind of playing our level right now. Yeah, I don't think it's we've we're. We've never really punched above our weight this season. Like it, it's, there's been moments, just moments, where we've played above um, maybe what we should have on paper. But it just it it feels like this was a reality check. This was coming back down to earth and being like, okay, that FA Cup win really was more of a fluke than anything, and we lucked into a season of Europa League that we didn't maybe earn or deserve. I, I, not to, I don't want to dismiss the FA Cup run last year because it, it, we beat good teams to get get that, that trophy. But everything since then would indicate that we were not at the level we needed to be to even, I mean, um, getting through the group stage of Europa League is not, it's not a, a huge accomplishment. We should not be patting ourselves on the back too much for that. Uh, so getting to the semifinal, it, it's kind of what should be expected. It's what we've done four out of five times we've been in the Europa League um, or in the last few years. So it, it that should be the expectation. But um, maybe I had too, too high of expectations thinking we would just coast our way through to the champions league I, I i didn't actually believe that i think i i knew all along it was going to be tough to get through the final but i think i was very hopeful that that we'd be talking about european soccer for next season in some form but at this point my blinders are off a bit and i'm yeah. like this is this is probably what we should have <clears throat> we're in the position now that we should have been in last year where we didn't get to pretend. I mean, we, we got to pretend for a season and, yeah. and actually I think that sets us back uh, because this, if we would have just come to grips with where we are at realistically, we should have been doing a lot more in trying to rebuild. We should have been doing a lot more in trying to develop the young players that we have, like rather than waiting until Boxing Day to get Emil Smith row in. He probably should have been starting and probably would have been had things fallen apart more last year. You know, it's like you got to kind of rely on what you have. And yeah, it's now now we have to face the facts, and everybody has to. Arteta has to. Ownership has to. Adu, the players, ev- the fans, everyone involved have to come come to grips with being a bad team in a bad place that really needs focus and, and regrouping and, and re a true rebuild, not just trying to put in a couple of players and try again, like actually rebuild this team to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I like, I'm going to, I will stop short of saying a bad team because there are bad teams and <laughs> I could, I could, yeah, I don't but, know I mean, that's I, a little bit pandemic or pandemic pedantic. It was the word I was looking <laughs> for, but I, uh, I think in a way 
we got a little bit of a favor in the fact that I was thinking this year that I'd rather be in Europa again as opposed to going to Champions League because we bring this league, this team that we're playing in the, to the Champions League. We don't get out of the group stage, you know, and right, and it would be an embarrassment to bring this team to the Champions League, to be honest. And like, I, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to like be too Debbie Downer, but this team isn't anywhere. Like, I, I watched a lot of the Champions League this year, and we're nowhere near even, you know, some of the teams that we would expect to be better than in in former years. You know, like I think we are would be extremely lucky to get out of the group stage in a, a Champions goes, League it, next year. And it goes back to that uh, that Super League conversation of like, who do you think you are trying to get into a Super League when this is the product that we have? Like, I get that the money would let you build the team, yada, yada, yada. But the team that exists now, the team that's uh, that we have is so far away from that top tier. Like it, it, it's going to take a lot of time to get to a, a level with the players, with the coaches, with everything. It's not, it's not just the players. Like we got to be honest with ourselves. It's, it is top to bottom. This club is, way out of their league like the idea that they're gonna just suddenly be a champions league caliber club beyond the players on the field yeah that doesn't just happen even if you have a bunch of money that doesn't mean you're gonna make smart decisions all of a sudden i mean (laughs) we've seen arsenal even when they were in champions league make very poor contract decisions make poor personnel decisions it's it's kind of been going down a hill well before and and these little these good results helped ease the transition into mediocrity but the reality is set in that it's been mediocre at different levels and now it's just catching up to us yeah and again like i'm I'm, i hate being a debbie downer and like too much of a a a naysayer but it's like i mean you, you you just really look at arsenal since the champions league final that we were in and it's a slow decline and there's a lot there's a, a bunch of different factors that come into it, but it's a, it's, it, it really is since the building of the new stadium and the austerity measures that we came in. And then you have the shift of what soccer ownership is, which has changed in the last 15, 20 years. And it's, you know, it's gone away from a, a sustainable model, which is what Arsenal's trying to do or had been trying to do and moved into like, you know, money, petrodollars, oligarchs owning these clubs and you know arsenal just hasn't comp- competed and then the only way to to you know counteract that is with smart decisions and i mean arsenal has not made smart decisions since 2005 at least and and it's all these little decisions that we don't think are big deals at the time but there are little de- decisions that kind of like pile up on each other to the point where like a bunch of little bad little decisions or bad mediocre de- or middle middle decisions become really bad results, you know? I will point out a bad decision that happened just this week. Hmm. And it, it just go goes to show the depths of ineptitude that this ownership has when it comes to owning this, this team. And that's the fact that they have, it has come out that they are going 
back to <laughs> back to the drawing board, so to speak, when it comes to their scouting. And they have hired a, a, a third party company to headhunt a new group of scouts. So I got I, I, I just have to wonder what the plan was, if there was an actual plan, and if it was in service to saving money, which seems like it would be a very small amount, or if there was some other plan that completely fell apart. Because I don't understand how you acknowledge that this team needs to be rebuilt. You acknowledge that there are, you need to be smart in the marketplace. And yet you let go of your, basically your entire scouting staff without a, a, a subsequent plan in place. If your idea is to just go headhunt a bunch of new scouts, what? why did you throw that time away? Because money and all this aside, we just wasted like a year and a half, maybe two years when all said and done of time that could have been spent scouting the next group of players that would rebuild this team in a smart and efficient way. And now we're playing catch up again. Like I'm just in disbelief. I really do think that the Cronkies got sold a bad bill of sales with this idea of the, uh, what is it? The uh, agent based recruitment policy. Mm -hmm. And I think, Cronkies were looking at it like, oh, you know, we're our Arsenal. We're going to always be in Europe. And so the money's always going to come. And this seems like a, a, a money-saving idea, or at least like from a business perspective, which is like, I hate using those words when we talk about soccer. But they're like looking at it, all right, cool. Like we pay this person. They're going to give us our best, the best talent. We get the best talent and we continue on in this, you know, maybe not championship winning, but getting the money in mm-hmm. type of thing. And I think they just went all in on it. And it's a without realizing that like agent-based things, there's a lot of money that is going not to players, you know? Mm-hmm. And that that I genuinely believe it. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that like I was actually kind of hopeful with this move where they're I think that maybe they're moving away from the agent-based recruitment policy, hopefully. Cause I think if there's a silver lining, I guess that's it. But I, I really thought when they let go of all the scouts. You know, Edu made it seem like they were going to, you know, really refocus on being data driven and just go on a totally new model. And this just seems like, oh, I guess that didn't work or something fell apart because now we're going back to just finding any old scouts. I mean, I, I don't I don't really understand what the plan is, but it does not project um, that they know what they're doing. I mean, it's clear to me that they have no clue what they're doing. They keep having to hire outside firms and outside people and bring in all these supposedly, I, I don't even know if they, if they are competent people. I mean, that's the thing. Like all of, all this being said, like if you are incompetent at the top, I, I don't know if you can trust those people to bring in smarter people than them. I don't know if they can recognize it. I don't know if they know what they need. I just feel like they're so far away from actually doing this correctly. And at the end of the day, like you can make a model of business that, or whatever that works that way, but you have to understand that it's extremely inefficient. And if you're trying Hmm. to run an efficient anything, 
hiring outside, contracting out all this stuff, each time you contract out is going to be loss of money. And we are a club that can't afford to lose money. And we have been since the Emirates was built, a club that can't afford to lose money. And yeah, I don't, I don't know where you go from here. I mean, like, I'm glad that we're getting scouts. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you look at the, the super league situation and they've, there's been talk of fines and other things leveled at the club and the Cronkies have made clear that they would take care of any of the additional fees and fines that are associated with that debacle. But, um, you know, you get into those situations and you have to pay your way out of them and, and you try to fix those things and and get get the team back on the right track. It seems like that's what they want. But at the same time, it's like this team has been floundering for far longer than this, and yet they have not been willing to invest what it takes to correct course. And it's like when things how far do things have to go before you're willing to say okay we screwed up and we're going to pay the money to fix it you're willing to do that for the super league debacle but what about the actual team that you have beyond that like are you willing to spend the money to fix this problem that you've created and, and i don't i don't know that i think they will i don't i mean all this talk of fixing things this summer of of splashing the cash to make things better i don't believe it I don't buy it. There, there does come a point too of how much money you actually have to splash. The like mm. the amount of money that the Cronkies are thinking about splashing, I assume, probably would have fixed things about seven years ago. But where we are now is going to take an extreme. It's going to take a Man City investment. And you look at like how Man City went from you know where we are on the table to you know where they are now, and it was close to billions of dollars overall mm -hmm. in transfer fees. And not only that, but also convincing players to come, which is a whole nother thing that now that we're not in Europe and we don't have the set, we're not even like, and I say this with all vile and hatred in my heart, we're not even the sexiest club to go in London right now, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, and that's going to take even more money to convince players to even come here to begin with and yeah like, clubs go in cycles and like, one of the things to remember is Leeds was mm -hmm. a European champion Leeds was the best team in England in the 1970s 60s, 70s, sorry for people somewhere around there <laughs> sorry for people <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in mid-century they were they were the best team in England and they were they got relegated and spent years in the second division. And these these types of cycles happen with teams. And if you don't recognize it early enough, you're going to get caught in a, a place where you can start throwing some money around. Because it's not like Everton isn't throwing money around. It's not like these other teams in the Premier League aren't throwing some money around. But you're going to have to throw like actual significant money at this point to actually stop the decline. And I don't think... and this is going to be real, real talk. I don't think the Cronkies actually have the money themselves to actually get Arsenal out of the hole. And that's, I another. think they, they could, I, I don't think they, but I think like, if you, if you look at the, 
the other sports franchises that they're involved in, there's a level of stability that is in those American leagues that they were hoping to bring to Arsenal by doing the Super League. But it is a very different creature to have this <laughs> what seems like the the Wild West sort of league where there is no salary caps, there is no guarantee that you stay up, there's no guarantee that you're going to make the top dollar just by being involved. Like you actually have to invest smartly. You have to run the club smartly. It is not like NFL where you can be a crap team year after year and still make decent money on it. I mean, granted the the biggest teams still make a lot more, but I mean, if it's just another team in your portfolio and you don't care about success, it's still like Arsenal. If Arsenal was just left alone, it would crash and burn and and drop into a lower division and no longer be the profit center that you need. And I think it's just too much work for them. I just think it's something that they didn't realize needed so much upkeep and financial um injections along the way it's it's one thing to say um you know we're gonna have the sustainable model and we're gonna only spend money that we can make by selling players and and off of uh um ticket sales and sponsorships and all these things we've seen that that isn't enough that it's you actually have to be smart with your money like it, it is not it is not a self-sustaining thing that is a machine that left on its own will just continually spit out money and stay stay stable. You actually have to have smart people in the right positions that will continue to, you know, guide this team in that upper trajectory. There, if you make dumb mistakes and put the wrong people in in leadership positions, we've we're now seeing what happens. It is not something that just fixes itself. It will never fix itself. And I am not convinced that even um, uh, someone with more money could necessarily come in and fix this. It's not enough to just have money. Bottom line. I Even if it's Dan, uh, Danny Oak, you know, if he comes <laughs> in and finds finds a, a, a few billion dollars to throw at the team to fix things. I mean, granted, I think he, I, I wrote on Twitter the other day, I think he's probably picked up more knowledge in his 20 years of watching Arsenal than than KSC has picked up in, in their almost 20 years of owning the team. 100% like they just true. don't seem to get it. Um, but, you know, that alone doesn't mean he's going to come in and be a great owner who he if he if he were to come in and and find really smart people and invest in the structure that that is behind the team i'd be feeling positive but that's like one piece of the puzzle there's so many things that have to come together so at the end of the day money is not enough it is it will not no matter how much the cronkies can pull out of walmart or their other franchises you know like whatever they can dump into this team will not matter if they're making stupid decisions. Like you just can't give contracts to William and Cedric and all these, you can't do this stuff. It will catch you. It's, it is not a get, there's no get out of jail free if you're not willing to invest and invest smartly. 
Well, speaking of William, because uh, we have a lot of these questions in the back half of the uh, the episode that I'm sure oh, we're yes. going to give them the same thing. But speaking of William, did you have anything to say about this uh, the the West Brom game? Do you, do you, do you care to even talk about it? Or I I didn't watch much of that game, but I did get to see William's first goal live, so I feel like I was <laughs> part of history. Um. I honestly hope that's his last goal first. <laughs> I hope that's it. I hope we cut our losses and somebody was watching that game in MLS or China or wherever he might go, Brazil. He'd be a great just, MLS. Somebody maybe. was just like, oh, he's still got a little gas left in the tank. Maybe we can throw a, a few million at him and pry him away. Because if somebody is even thinking that, please take I mean, him. You know, the, the, so yeah, we won 3-1. It was actually a really boring game. Let's Let's be honest, it wasn't... I didn't care that much about the game. Mm. But uh, the thing that really annoyed me was just William scoring a goal like that now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, I understand. I under, like, And it just shows that he has talent. He has things that he could bring to the team. He just hasn't this year. That like is almost more frustrating than... <laughs> being absolutely trash you know what i mean and i know he, if he would have gone the whole rest of the year and not scored i've been like eh, yeah he sucks <laughs> and then the one thing i know we're we're in a very negative headspace right now but mm-hmm. the one I, I i do try and be positive sometimes and bring balance <laughs> to the force and all that uh <laughs> i will say that like you know pepe is improving and i think that uh he's finally catching on and you know where he scored a goal and it was his sixth goal this season in the premier league which six goals from a midfielder isn't a trash season you know we've had midfielders yeah. score far less and i think as much of a journey as we've gone on with pepe i think he is turning right and i think you know patience is a word but i think I don't know. Like I, I was when I when I really sat down and thought about it, six goals with a couple games left, he could score a couple more. I mean, who knows? He might even break double digits. And coming from a midfielder, that's not a horrible return. So I thought that was a a, a really a positive from the game. But other than that, you know, West Brom is trash and isn't a good team. But it was also good to see uh, Sam Allardyce be sad. <laughs> and Emil Smith Rose finally scored a, yeah. a Premier League goal as well. So I mean positives but who gives a shit at this point it's just it's so frustrating to i mean there are some people saying like hey maybe maybe things could fall in our direction and we we move up the table and and somehow europa league falls to us because of the way other things play out and just like don't don't even fool yourself it is not happening and if it does happen it would paper over a lot of cracks that we need to actually (laughs) to address and i think that would be a right um, and then moving on from West Brom, we have Chelsea coming up <laughs> this uh, Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow afternoon. And I, I will probably turn it on, but this is not the game I was hoping it would be. I mean, it is. It has very little consequence at this point for us. I'm just hoping that they're just looking at the Champions League final and kind of forget about us. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I did not watch their game against City over the weekend, but you know, like the games are coming thick and fast. But 
you know, like I hate to say it because I, I love watching Arsenal, but like it's a game that doesn't really matter for us. Like we are now in this like dead rubber period where I don't want players that we're going to keep to get injured and I want players that we're going to sell to look really good. It's basically where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. At this point, I'm ready for this team this season to just be done because the only the only positive thing that can happen now is just letting you know let let this let the season fall by the wayside and then get get to work because it's all you can do now is try to pick up the the scraps and and try to put a get put together a winning team and that that's that's all we've got left is is the hope for the future <laughs> that's it <laughs> you know i think that's like a, a soccer player or a soccer supporters like uh mantra is uh, next season will be better <laughs> right yeah i will we'll find a way to be competitive next year and that's that's all i can think right now it's really frustrating to be at that yeah. point but that's all we got it kind of sucks that this is like the dead rubber because i do think we have such a good run into the end of the season this chelsea game like notwithstanding but like you know we had two games against newcastle and west brom that were super winnable and if i remember mm-hmm. correctly we have a bunch of other games coming up that are uh, gonna be you know we have palace and brighton to end the season so if we were in such a better spot like it could have been like those like last few games to push us over the edge and yeah know, i mean it's we're six points out of fifth place but just to have so much work to do and have to have so many people fail in front of us it, yeah. it would it there's no way i mean it's just not happening yeah i mean you know as far as achievable goals like my my next goal is to definitely over try and overtake tottenham that's like really where we need to be right mm-hmm. so they are four points ahead of us and I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Weirder things have happened. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham is a dumpster fire right now, which is nice. It's, sure. it's, it's nice to know that, like, this is a little bit of schadenfreude, and I feel like as bad as the season is, we can enjoy a little bit of it. But at the beginning of the season, when they're in second place and all the Tottenham fans are talking about this being the best season in the world for them, the best season in the world has ended in, like, their manager being fired and they're being them only being four points ahead of us. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's nice not to be alone in the shit dumpster. <laughs> yes, misery loves company and all that. All right. Well, I think that's probably good for this uh first half. Let's let's take a break here and hit the really important questions um right after this break. Welcome back from the break, and now our favorite part of the show, where we answer all your questions that you've sent in to us. And the first one comes from Maxwell Boltinghouse, which is a fantastic name, by the way. It's a great name. <laughs> uh, does Arteta state does Arteta's statements about management issues and the problems uh, being behind the scene hold water? And if so, is that a solvable problem? Or is the solution to our issues a new coach? 
yeah, that was that was a, a strange interview, was it not? That was. <laughs> I, I'm assuming he's referring to that that interview where uh, Arteta was talking about, uh, you know, there's issues that uh, he can't talk about in public that are uh, causing the 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 poor record and things like that. I, uh, I think the the quick answer is yes. I think there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we've talked about in the first part of this episode uh, that are, you know, that are definitely issues that, I mean, we've been saying this for a couple episodes, if not a couple months that uh, the team's just not good enough on the field. And that isn't Arteta's problem. And it's, and to a certain extent, it's not the player's problem. If a player is not good enough to be playing at that level, it's not his fault that he's being shoved into that level to a certain extent. If you, if that makes sense, uh, I think, there is definitely some systemic problems in the back. I think uh, there's been some horrible decision-making on who's doing what that is just not sustainable. But there, there, there does have to be some accountability to the coach. And I know both you and I, Caleb, have been very strong uh, Arteta supporters, but now this is where the 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 rubber meets the road. That we do have to see some more positive more momentum from Arteta going forward, in my mind. And it's not going to be this season. But I I definitely do think next season, if if we're still eleventh place by Christmas and not going forward, not in any competitions, we need to start thinking about a different different approach. Yeah, I'm. I'm- Mostly in agreement there. I think the um, I'm not I've not fully switched to like Arteta out or anything like that. I do believe um, he needs a little bit more time. He needs a normal season under his belt. Uh, I think it's very rough to consider these last two seasons anywhere near normal, and. I want to I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and and uh, let him have one more transfer window, one more pre uh, an actual preseason and and uh, at least a start to a season. I think that's it's kind of the the rumor going around is that he's got at least the beginning of next season to to see what he can do with whatever he gets, um, you know, with a preseason with some new players perhaps and then see how next season goes at the beginning. And and if it's looking like it's going badly, they might have to call an end to this experiment. I think that's reasonable at this point, um, given all the time that he's had. And uh, I hate the idea of starting over again, but that's it's, he can't have unlimited time to, to fix this. We don't have unlimited time. I mean, there's, I think this the sooner we can get back to the level that we need to be, the this the sooner we can get back to European football, the sooner we can write the ship, so to speak, the better. I don't think you can um look at a Leeds type team and take the Premier League for granted. You know, it's like there the trajectory is clearly pushing us in the wrong direction. So things need to get fixed quickly. And uh, I'm not convinced that Arteta is the guy yet. I mean, I, I 
think he is. I think he has the potential to be, but the the results have not met what I expected him to bring to this team yet. And uh, it might be the players, but I, I got to look at the, that uh, semifinal and think, this is on the coach a bit, right? I mean, you can't you can't look at a team and that that literally just was not there. I mean, they just didn't show up. So that's got to be on the coach a little bit to to not be able to get your team up for that sort of game, to not be able to get them fired up to get one goal. That's that's certainly on the coach. So I, I whatever is going on behind the scenes, whatever these extra things are, maybe it's. You know, who knows what it is? It doesn't matter, really. A coach has to figure out how to overcome those things and motivate his players and get them on the same page and get the results. Well, and and that's the thing is like, again, like I'm not, I'm definitely not on Arteta out, especially because I don't really see a a ready-made replacement available right now. Mm. But uh, I think when you look at a team like Villarreal. You can you can make the argument that like Arsenal can't compete in the champion or in the uh, the uh, Premier League against some of these teams like City or Chelsea or even Man U where they're they're spending these, this amount of money and the players are just not there. But you know when you're looking at a team sheet, I think player for player, at the very least, the very least, and it may be even an exaggeration, but. Arsenal players stack up favorably against the the Villarreal players, you know, and that is not a a player issue that we didn't get past the semifinal. If we were talking about the final losing to Man U, that would be a different story. But losing against Villarreal, it isn't a player issue. So then you have to kind of look at the manager and be like, maybe it is his fault for not getting the players up to to speed. There may be, there's probably, I think there is a lot more going on in the back that we aren't seeing, but, you know, if we're not seeing it, we only can judge on what we know and, you know. And I, I t- completely chalk up the way things played out to his lack of experience because I think he was, his his biggest regret from that game was was having Jaka be unavailable because he, he planned his entire game plan around Chaka basically or you know like things got flipped upside down as soon as Tierney had to come in but I feel like a better coach a more experienced coach would have been able to handle that and find a way to to get the results or get the players um on the same page it just looked like that one change completely threw the team off and that that's kind of unacceptable at this level you have to be able to roll out multiple different um, formations, tactics, and have the team fall in line and, and do what needs to be done. And it seems like they've struggled with that. And and we've seen Arteta roll out some different tactics over the last few, few weeks, and some of them to great success. I think like moving Xhaka back into the tyranny position actually worked out pretty well. But we've seen the deficiencies of that as well, and he hasn't been able to correct for those. And some of that is the player avail- the players that he has available, and some of that is just bad tactics and bad ideas and bad timing. I think there's um, 
a lot to be said for just putting players in in positions where they're most likely to succeed and not trying to overthink things. And um, he's he's still got a lot to learn. I mean, we're seeing him develop as a coach in real time, and it's it's a struggle. It's it's not um, it's not going to be easy for anybody. And he has not had any lower lower level experience to to fall back on. He has assistant coaching experience. He's not had to have all this pressure on him. Um, it's just, there's a lot of things that only happen with experience and time. And we're not in a position where we can wait that out. And so at the end of the day, we might just have to wash our hands of this and say, it was, it was too soon. It was, it was too much of a risk. It was not the right timing for, for bringing in Arteta, but I understand why you would take the risk. I mean, it, given the, um, potential high ceiling that he does have, why not? But you're also, you're having to deal with the growing pains as well. Yeah. So I, I think we, 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 we have to be okay with the idea that this might not, this experiment might not work. Yeah. And I think I, I, have always been a very pro Arteta and I was very much a pro hire of him. And I am, I'm definitely hitting the end of my rope with him. Like not in a bad way necessarily, but just that, that, you know, maybe my opinion was wrong on, you know, that he was going to work out and you you just kind of have to do, you have to look at Chelsea and the difference after Chelsea fired Lampard and got, you know, Tuchel in, and the extreme change that happened. And Lampard is a very similar coach to Arteta in a lot of ways where he didn't have a ton of experience, but he was a club legend. There's a lot of like, you know, hyping him up and there's a lot of, you know, feelings around him for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. But then you bring in an extremely experienced coach and you can see the difference that coach. Like I think they've allowed four goals in 10 Premier League games since he's taken over, got him to the Champions League final. There, there, there is a lot to be said. And, you know, this Arteta experiment definitely has to start producing some real results that aren't a FA Cup win very, very soon. Right. You can't just win against West Brom. Like, <laughs> you, got, you have to win the big games as well. <laughs> uh Anything else you want to say about Arteta? No, I was I was gonna move on to Zachary Hall's question, if that sounds mm. good. Yeah, uh, Zachary Hall, and we kind of touched on this in our uh, Timbit, which is <laughs> how many millions need to be wisely spent this summer to transform Arsenal into a competitive squad in the Premier League. Uh, the 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 word coming out this week is that this team is is ready to do a fire sale. I mean, it seems like there is a handful of players that will be retained, that will be built around. You've got your Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe. You know, we've got Balogun coming in, Saliba, uh, Tierney. Pepe will will likely be around because I doubt they're going to be able to get rid of him at a decent price. Um, not that they want to, I mean, you got to keep some pieces in place, uh, to build around. And, uh, it seems like anybody else, a a bombing will probably stay as well. I don't think they're going to be able to offload him and I don't think he wants to go anywhere necessarily, but 
all that said, I think anybody else is is <laughs> available at the right price. And um, a lot of it now, I think, without European football next year is going to be down to who we can move on. And um, at that point, I really feel like you're, you know, you might be able to get one good player, you know, for the price that we're going to get for the amounts that we're going to get back from a lot of these uh, deadwood players. Um, It's not like we have a bunch of hot stars that we're trying to get rid of. It's going to be, you know, piecemeal sort of, putting together a few million here, a few, a few million there. And, um, I, I, I think it's going to be a tough, tough rebuild unless there's some additional money injected into the team. Uh, but I think I've, I've said this many times in the past and I, I hope that now without, uh, European football in the picture that they will really go young and try to develop young players that they can sell on and just i i think that is the way back i think that is the way forward and that's developing good players bringing in a young a group of young players that can develop chemistry together bringing in guys from the academy um and and just really using that exuberance of youth that we have seen from Saka and Emil Smithrow and such just the guys that have no fear and building a team around that fearlessness and, and that energy and trying to bring in guys that are, will buy into what Arteta is trying to do and kind of getting rid of this mentality that we need to have a bunch of aging stars to anchor the team, because I think that has actually let us down. It's weighed down our team more than it's anchored, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, based on the contracts and all that. It's just, it is not worked out in the, for, to the benefit of Arsenal to, to go that route. And I understand like you, you need a, a good mix of, of, of experience and youth, but we need to spend smarter. If you're going to go get that experience, you got to do it better than how we've done it. Like, and this, you can't just be about locker room presence. You have to bring in guys that can still contribute in a meaningful way. So there's, I, I am not convinced uh, about it. Do I am not convinced about, um, this scouting network that we still need to put together. Um, there's a lot left to be desired as far as how we're going about rebuilding already. And uh, I, I, I have some concerns that things are going to come together in a perfect way to put it to a really good competitive team to together for next season. But um, I could be wrong. I, 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 I'd love to be wrong. <laughs> I would love to be wrong too. I think one of the bigger issues now that we we are landing in this reality of you know not being in Europe is that it's going to be harder to convince players to come here. If we're not in Champions League, like I don't think there's a price we can pay to get Holland here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I literally just don't think there's a price you could offer him the world, and he probably he may not come here. And that was the big issue with, I remember when Man City was first starting off and trying, like, they literally had all the money in the world 
and to to get their project going it was buying players that finally got them to the point where they were qualifying for champions league and you know they got kaka i remember and it they paid well over probably double what a normal price would be for him in wages and he was a free transfer i believe if i remember correctly and then just like paid him like absurd wages to get him to come and he wasn't even his best at that point and Mm -hmm. that's where arsenal is because the best players in the world want to play in the best competitions in the world and that's my fear right now is you're kind of in this kind of shit spiral right now where you're not making europe so you're not making the money and then you're not being able to attract the best talent so that means you're not being able to go up to europe and that's where you what you're saying of trying to invest in youth and really doing that is the best idea but even that's hard and i and you, that takes years yeah. it takes years to develop that pi- pipeline and to actually have those things pay off for you i mean the goal would be to start with a, a youth core that you can build around and and is actually has some talent which we have a, a few good players in that category um, I mean, we're not even, we've got Saliba, Mavropanos, like there's other players that have potential to be really good that are in that, uh, 23 to 25 range, you know, like pretty, pretty young and, and still with a lot of, uh, potential and, and you want those, you're hope you're hoping to develop those players and either selling them on or developing a team that could keep, that you can afford to keep them around for longer, you know, like you want to hopefully have this come to fruition in the next three years. Um, it's, it's a, it's a short-term solution until you can get to that next level. But, um, yeah, I think in addition to that, you have to have a, a project that people are willing to buy into. I think amazingly enough, Arteta has convinced some players that they, should be part of his project. And I think that it, whatever he's saying behind the scenes um, is positive and convincing people that they should be uh, part of what he's doing. I, you know, and all the talk leading up to uh, this season, I think there was um, an idea that this was a three, three year plus project. Um, and that, getting to champions league through Europa league would have been, uh, an accelerant, but really not the, um, goal that they had in mind necessarily. It was kind of like a fluke that they lucked into the FA cup win. And then it would, it was going to be a tough, tough road through Europa league. And so things had to fall into place, but I think there is an idea that there was a longer term plan in Arteta's mind to get us back to the champions league level. And I think in, the way that he talks, this team is uh, miles away from where he wants to be. But it, I think he has an idea of what he wants to do. He has an idea of the players that he wants to to get and the, the, the things that he needs. And now it's just a matter of making that happen. I don't know that not making Champions League this year really throws that off that much i think he kind of was thinking that would have been a nice thing but not necessarily the thing that made his plan work so um i still think that there's uh hope that 
he can still recruit pretty well. And I think if you're looking for a different pl- tier of player, um, that doesn't necessarily break that plan. It just means that you're, um, you're hoping to, to have some, uh, recruitment that explodes for you, you know, like you, you, you can't have a bunch of guys come in that, that fail. Like you can't have a William come in and just completely fail you for the season. You have to really hit some, hit some of these out of the park. And, uh, I, they just have to be smarter. I, that's what it comes down to. It's just like, I just see some really dumb decisions continually come back to, to bite us. And it's, it's frustrating because you know that those, those millions of dollars are sending us back. And that's, that's not something we can afford right now. So I, I like, um, I like the things that Arteta says, and it sounds like he's got the, um, the plan to, to take things forward, but you actually have to have some results to help convince some people. And I don't know how many people they're going to be able to recruit just with a plan. You know, it's got, you've got to have something to show for it. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 at the end of the day, throwing a bunch of money at it is not going to be 100% the solution because I don't think there's enough money in the world to really fix their problem without actual smarts, you know? Yeah, I, I hope that they... I, I, I hope that they're a little bit better in their recruitment. I hope that the, if they do splash the cash that they... Uh, you know, if the Cronkies do come in and, and decide that they need to uh, fix things with a signing of a couple new players, I hope they, that they are smart with that money. I mean, I don't want to see them do a Pepe and, and dump 70000 or $70 million into a player when they could go buy two or three players for that cost. You know, I think it's, it's better to have three $20 million players that have a lot of potential than one... $70 million player because you're just, you cannot load all your eggs in one basket that way right, with the way things are right now. Totally. All right. Um, Peter sleep has a, a little bit of a question slash comment here. Uh, he said, I hated getting knocked out of Europa, but I think losing to man U in the final would have been worse. We we did kind of bring this up when we were talking about it a little bit, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with him that like it hurt getting knocked out of Europe. I don't think we win that game against Man U. I mean, it's a one-off. Mm-hmm. Weird things happen. We won the FA Cup against uh, playing against City and Liverpool in that run. Uh, but yeah, I would and. I was getting a little bit of shades of a couple years back when we were in the final against Chelsea. That was running through my mind. And like, I know that's a game that runs with both through both of our heart. Cause we were watching that game in uh, Seattle and what bar was that? That was, uh, was that at Fado? Yeah, it was at Fado. Mm. And I took extra time. Rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, is it gone now? Yeah. Oh, Fado has gone. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but like, I just had memories of that Chelsea game, which was just, we weren't competitive that entire game against Chelsea. And I felt like that was going to be the final against Man U. And so I, there is a certain part of me that like, yeah, 
we got out of Europe, we probably weren't going to win. We we probably weren't going to go to the Champions League anyways. And as I said before, if we were in the Champions League, I, I feel like we would have been out of depth anyways. So yeah, maybe there's a silver lining to the loss. Yeah, maybe we've averted some additional heartbreak here this season. <laughs> maybe much worse heartbreak because we would have had some hope. Yeah, you know, getting to the final, we would have been, yeah, way too hopeful. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a you know, uh, it's a the last uh, thing that came out of Pandora's box was hope. The last monster <laughs> was hope, and I totally buy that because I my worst feeling as an Arsenal fan not to go down this road was. The Champions League final, not because it was a great experience and everything going to the final, but I remember going to the uh, Georgian Dragon, being so excited, took a day off work for it. And when we went 1-0 ahead in that game, I was so excited. And that was the first time I actually hoped that we were going to beat Barcelona. I actually had hope because the entire time coming in, I was like, just happy to be here. We're playing Barcelona and like the Pep Guardiola, that Barcelona. And then to go a goal up, I was like, oh, we're going to win this. And I had that hope. And just to have that just like destroyed was just, uh, I'm sure most of the people listening to this understand that, that, that feeling of being, having the hope snatched away. So maybe it's, it's, kind, it's kind of par for the Arsenal course now. Like, that, <laughs> like you said, I think you said that it was just like, that was a, that was a starting point to a, a <laughs> successive failures. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, maybe we can be happy that we didn't get our hopes dashed later, but <laughs> I don't know if that's how you're supposed to follow soccer, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's probably not it. It might be an arsenal way to follow soccer, but it's probably not the correct way to follow soccer. Right. Uh so there's one more question. Uh and it is from good friend of the pod, Charles Allison. Uh given where we are right now, what counts as successful? What counts as a successful season next year? I feel like standards are being dragged through the mud, but how low are they? Is top seven going to be a success this next year? Um, they, <laughs> I, I think every year to to think of anything less than making European soccer as a success would be doing ourselves a disservice. I think like you always have to have high expectations. And if you start, if you start saying, Oh, well we just, we just need to make top 10. Like what good does top 10 get you? What is it? That means nothing. Um, I think at the minimum we need to expect to get back into Europe somehow. I don't care if it's Europa league. I, I think if you, if you drop out of European competition, getting back into it is a success whether that's champions league or europa league it doesn't matter to me i think that you you have to work your way back up and um it i i don't see next season necessarily being an overnight success i think a rebuild is in order and probably like i said should have happened this year but instead we pushed it off another year so now we have to we have to deal with the um the hard truth that is we are not at that level right now, but it, given the right moves in this off season, given a good run of form, given some good coaching, I see the potential to get back there next year. Like, I don't think we need to be out of Europe for very long. And I think even 
um, Arteta mentioned that like, you know, there was times when like in recent memory, like Chelsea fell out of favor or fell out of that um, top tier a little bit and had a season out of that. And that launched them back to back into success. And, and you kind of need that sometimes to, to get things fixed and get back on the right course. So um, I, I don't think you can lower your expectations. I think the expectation should be that this was a blip, that, that this was a tough year, a tough, a run of a couple tough years. And you got to put that behind you and find a way to get back to where you know you should be. And I think that, I, you know, there's a lot of people that, that say, oh, maybe we have too high of expectations. Maybe we have, um, this entitlement that we should, that we should be a top tier team that we aren't, but we aren't. But I think the second you start believing that you are less than that, then you certainly are. I mean, like you can't, you can't stop believing that you could be a better team or else you never will be. So I think it, it starts with the fans and the belief and, it goes from there because when the fans believe, when the team believes, when the coaches believe, you you can make things happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the the simple question is Europe or it's not a successful season. Like, I think this year we can all agree has been not a successful season. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it is interesting from a long term as someone who watched Arsenal when we were title contenders all the time. And that, like, watching from when we were winning titles to now watching where we're, you know, it's been a it's been a minute since we've been in the title conversation. It's it's been a few years, and seeing that slip away from us, and now we're moving to the, and then it was you know being in Europe every year, being in Champions League every year. That was a conversation we had, and now that's kind of slipped away. And now the conversation is just being in Europe. Like, you are seeing a trajectory. And it's a worrying mm-hmm. for me. It's a wor- very worrying trajectory. It's not ideal, uh, but I think you have to look at it in a way of like I always call it achievable goals. This is something I <laughs> I do in my life. It's what I do in my work wor- world. It's what I have for expectations for the, the you know the the Sounders or you know Arsenal. And so, what is the achievable goal for Arsenal? You know, we're not going to be in the title conversation next year. I don't, I, I just, you know, if we do, it's, it's a miracle and like something went wrong in the world <laughs> <laughs> like or went extremely right, I should say, but uh, something went wrong for everybody else. Uh, but I think the achievable goal and the thing that we should be aiming for next year is definitely Europe. And I don't think it's, it's out of the realms to say that we should be shooting for top four in a uh, ideal world. That's where we were going and that's i think that's where i'm going to level my level of satisfactory versus a good goal satisfactory is we make europe again you know that's satisfactory and then like a positive year is that we go into champions league again those are my two kind of you know what 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 is the level of success and if i get if we don't make it in europe again then we're going to have to reassess who we are as a team as you said like it's just it is what it is. And if, you know, we're not a team that can't make Europe, it's, we're going to have to reassess who we are as a team and what what we're trying to do. And, you know, you brought up the Chelsea thing, but the the thing about Chelsea is there was only one year that they didn't make Europe, you know, and then they went right Right. back into it. A better, I mean, a better comparison is Liverpool. 
in which they made they 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 definitely did have a couple foul year foul years. I think it was like two or three years where they're in their Europa League, and I think they did miss one year of European football altogether. Uh, it's just going to be more a question of if Arteta is like Klopp, and if we have a player like Salah who no one thought was important and is suddenly like an amazing player. I we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I think Europe is a minimum. It's not even a goal. It's just a minimum for me to make Europa League next year. Yeah, I think that's that's the only level of success that we can call a success. I mean, that's that's anything short of that is mediocrity. I mean, nothing else counts. Yeah. Unless you're getting relegated, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's not even part of the conversation in my mind. Yeah, I mean, if if we're continuing down this trajectory, then we have to like, as I say, I just I, I try and keep it rational. It's just like we have to reassess who we are as a team and what our goals are. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to think to talk about that because it just depends on uh, what the investment is, what is going on with the team, how you, because. You, you, it's going to take a shit ton of money to really get back into be with the big boys again, to be in the uh, into the uh, title winning. And is that something we want to do? And we talked about that last episode quite a bit. And I think that's, you know, kind of a soul searching thing we're going to have to do as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I think that's a good, good place to and things although we do have a, a bit of a fantasy talk here and i see an interesting note so tell me what's up with fantasy this week all right so fantasy you know i got 49 you got 41 we've been basically the league has basically stayed pretty stable mm-hmm. but my confession i have to make and i actually feel really bad about it which is since tyranny has been injured and not playing i have not been playing a single arsenal player on my fantasy team and I feel like I, I feel bad about it, but I don't. <laughs> and maybe that's this is, could be uh, to the listener. Which Arsenal player should I be playing on my fantasy team? Because I can't justify anybody right now. Yeah, that's tough. Saka, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Oh. But even he doesn't score that much. Yeah. I mean, he's he does intangibles, which don't show up on the fantasy. <laughs> well, but maybe I bet you I could afford Saka. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'll put him on on the the team how about you who are you running from arsenal on your fantasy team oh that's a good that's a good question i don't know off the top of my head because i'm a bad a bad coach <laughs> a bad owner well, i was impressed that you went from 41 because the last couple of weeks we haven't talked about it because i think we both have been hitting 20s in our, our, our points yeah i still have a bombing and i still have leno yeah i, I can buy leno a bombing i just don't think i can really justify he's not putting up. he's really the only person that scores on arsenal I, even though he, i mean even though three people that were not named Aubameyang scored in this last game yeah. but I, it would be either be him or pepe honestly yeah pepe uh, lacazette's not playing enough but yeah so uh yeah in the uh, comments below or in emails or facebooks uh please tell me which arsenal player i should start and by uh, i think wednesday is gonna be too late but by the chelsea the crystal palace game i will start whoever people tell me to start unless you're trying to sabotage me and then (laughs) 
All right. Well, with that, we should wrap things up for this week. Um, thank you all for, for joining us and sticking with us through the full episode. If you've made it this long, uh, if you have not subscribed, go ahead and do that wherever you pick up your, your podcasts. And if you have subscribed, give us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let other people know how we're doing so that we can get the word out that way. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at W of N London and do go there and, and follow us because I feel like I write some really good tweets, but I feel like it's, it's a tree falling in a forest. If there's, if there's nobody there to read my tweets, are they actually happening? I mean, your only Twitter you game, can tell us your Twitter game is on fire. So yeah definitely follow these tweets (laughs) really I am much more concise and and I'm a much better writer than I am a talker sometimes so (laughs) some of my thoughts come out better on Twitter than they do on this podcast Uh, YouTube is where we have uh, video versions of our podcast occasionally you'll see our faces and well pretty much every week we have the audio version available as well so you can join us on youtube hit the subscribe button and the like button and leave us some comments there and uh if you'd like to send in your questions comments uh, a different way westernnorthlondon at gmail.com is one way you can do that and another way is uh by leaving us a voicemail and we'll put you on the next episode and you can hear yourself (laughs) and we, we would love to hear from you as well that would be uh by going to anchor.fm slash west of north london and there's a a button there where you can leave us a message and uh, we would love to hear your your voice and and get your thoughts for our next episode uh if you like our theme song go check out bobcat they are b-o-b-c they're at b-o-b-c.at that's their website uh it's a dot at so uh, don't try to go to bobcat.com unless you need some heavy equipment. If you want some music, bobc.at is where to go. And I think that is all from us for this week. So as always, see you at the next gun show. <laughs> <laughs>